Welcome to the 13th episode of the Squadrons Pirate Radio podcast. I'm your co-host, Michaela Sani, along with General Manager Scott King. And joining us today is Summer Cruise Chair, Mr. John Van Skulkvik. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, it's great to have you on. Uh, There's a lot we want to talk about today, especially now that summer is rolling in and the sailing season is upon us. And of course, you're Squadron Summer Cruise Chair. But before we get into all that, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you actually got started sailing? Right. Uh, As a teenager, I went to school in England and I learned to sail on the south coast of England. Uh, I went to a boys boarding school and uh, one of my uh, roommate's family had a what seemed in those days a huge yacht. She was all of 30 feet. And he had a sister and her friends would come sailing with us. So there was a good deal of pressure on, on us boys to, uh, to learn to sail well. And in fact, <laughs> one school vacation, four, four of us schoolboys, we were then 15 years old, chartered a 30 foot sloop and went sailing for the week. I was at that time the least experienced sailor So I was put in charge of ordering the food. In those days in England, tea came by the pound, not in bags. So I did the math. Four of us for seven days, that's four times seven is 28 plus a little extra. I ordered 35 pounds of tea for the week. (laughs) Did you consume it all? Certainly not. Certainly not. (laughs) You're still drinking it, I'm sure. (laughs) And and the lads never never let me forget that. Anyway, fast forwarding, in the early 70s, I was living in Boston in the U.S. I was married with uh, with three young sons, and my wife thought our older boys, aged 11 and 12, should go to summer camp. Uh, I was a struggling photographer at that time. Money was tight, and I'd been reading ads for old boats, and I found an old uh, 30-foot wooden gaff-headed cutter for about the same price as summer camp. So we bought, we bought the boat and uh, we made our uh, family uh, a sailing summer camp happen for the boys. And uh, we spent the next few years cruising in New England. Amazing experience, John. Did your boys take to, take to sailing as quickly as you did? You know, Scott, that's interesting. No. Uh, well, it, that's a partial no. <laughs> it's a very common theme on the show, I must say. Everyone had a bit it of trouble really convincing is. their kids. <laughs> One of my three sons is, is still a sailor. The other two boys, I think, saw sailing as summer camping without hot water. So they, right. they were not very keen. Um, but um, in 1979, a, a friend of mine invited me to sail with his friend, who was a non-sailor, his friend Max, uh, who had just bought a sailboat. And we were to sail from uh, Miami to Jamaica. And our captain was to be Errol Flynn's, that's the Hollywood actor Errol Flynn, his old skipper. I thought that would be a great experience, both in sailing and learning about Hollywood. But Hang on, John. Hang yeah. on, John. Sorry, we're just going to back up there a little bit. So yeah. you sailed from Miami to Jamaica with Errol Flynn's skipper? No, we were going to sail with Errol Flynn's skipper, but right. a few weeks before we were to set sail, he was hospitalized. And that put the kibosh on this on this trip, except that Max asked me to skipper the boat. Now, you know, I'd done a lot of uh, sort of coast to coast sailing along um, New England's coast, but I'd never been offshore. So I was very reluctant to to take this on. 
Max, of course, said that if I refused, we'd have to uh, we'd have to cancel the passage. No pressure, of course. So I agreed to skipper the boat. I, I went out and I bought my first sextant and I practiced sun sights at home. I was pretty good. Well, I knew where I was. But after setting sail, <laughs> after setting sail from Miami, um, I uh, I took my first sun sight. There was a marker there, so we knew where we were. And I was off by exactly 100 miles. That that shook the crew's confidence, but uh, we did make it safely to uh, Montego Bay in Jamaica. Well, I can't believe you actually made it safely, John. That's a, that's not that's a fair <laughs> that's a fair gap. 100 miles. That sounds like I was navigating. That's that, I would well, well, we did the rest, I think, by dead reckoning. But what was interesting about this trip was that at the time I was thinking of building a, a cruising boat and Max, the, the owner of this boat we were on, had just retired as a, as a chemical specialist in, in, in uh, uh, rare chemicals. And um, he suggested that if I build a boat, he could get me spent uranium for the keel. Um, and he said it would be twice as heavy as lead. So I needed less and it would be cheaper. And if, in fact, I was going to be sailing in the Caribbean, which was my plan, uh, the uranium keel would be really useful because uh, when we anchored off, it would glow in the dark at night and we could find the boat easily. <laughs> that can't be a true story, John. Is, you're, winding, you're winding us up. Uh, it is absolutely true. Uh, and uh, I never did build a boat, but, um, but it is a great story, I have to say. Um, I did, uh, a few years later, I sold our gaff-headed cutter, and in 1988, I bought Morning Watch, my, my present boat. Uh, she's a Luders 36, uh, very similar to an Allberg, and she was built actually in Hong Kong in 1970, so she's an old boat. She's a beautiful boat. She doesn't glow in the dark, but she's a beautiful boat. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Apparently, Michaela, you can't have everything. Um, you can't have everything, no. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, Morning Watch has, has done quite a lot of cruising. We, we've, uh, we've cruised the, the east coast of the U.S. from New England to Florida, and uh, we've sailed in the Caribbean, the Leeward Islands, and, of course, now we're in Atlantic Canada. Is there a cruise there, John, that stands out, one of those, those early times when you first took that boat out? Um, yes, I think... Um, I, I think the first time that I sailed actually uh, to, um, uh, uh, let me think, to, to Nantucket, um, I, I had completely forgotten to take, uh, to take any, any, any uh, pay any attention to the, uh, the tides. And uh, we arrived two or three miles off from where we, we were supposed to be. And, and that, was, that was a very quick lesson uh, that uh, one had to pay attention to the current and the tide. And uh, it was something I never forgot. One, one of the issues, uh, I think, in my marriage is that my, my wife, Heather, has accused me of reading the tide book upside down. And there could to that. Oh, John. Well, I guess, I guess that's, that's, that's the advantage with cruising, John, is if you just get lost, just drop out. Okay, we'll be fine. We'll just wake up in the morning. We'll work it out. <laughs> Call somebody and ask where we are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've actually done quite a lot of uh, um, offshore sailing with, uh, as crew for friends. And um, in, in the, uh, the mid-90s, I sailed, uh, I sailed to um, Antigua 
from the Chesapeake with, with a friend of mine. And uh, as a result of that, that was a 1400 mile passage. So as a result of that, I, I joined the, uh, the Ocean Cruising Club. And that's a, that's a group that's based in, in England, but uh, the requirement for membership is a passage of point to point of a thousand nautical miles or more. And I've been a member of, of the Ocean Cruising Club for about 25 years. Um, and I'm, I'm also the port officer for the OCC in Halifax. So visiting boats that are coming either from, from the US, Europe, or, or actually we've had several boats from Australia and New Zealand, um, they'll get in touch with me to ask uh, where to go and uh, you know what the facilities are. So it's, it's been an interesting time. Um, I, I have made uh, uh, two nonstop transatlantic passages from the US directly to Ireland. Uh, one of those passages, um, we wanted to stop in, uh, in Bermuda, from Florida. We wanted to stop in Bermuda uh, and, and the Azores on the way, but we had a cat on board. And the Schengen regulations said that um, the cat had to be seen by a vet within 10 days of leaving the US or Canada. Um, and uh, Ireland and um, the UK are the only two countries that allow you that 10 day period to start when you arrive in their country. So we sailed straight across, thanks to the cat. Um, I've also done a couple of passages from the Azores uh, to, uh, to Portugal and to England and uh, sailed a number of times to and from Bermuda. It sounds like sailing has uh, almost always been a part of your life, John. So was joining the squadron kind of a natural next step for you or how did that come to be? Well, that, that was really interesting because Heather and I moved um, into, back into Nova Scotia in, in the early 2000s. I mean, she was coming back home and I was coming to Nova Scotia for the first time. And um, no sooner had we moved here uh, than she reminded me that her, her dad, my father-in-law, was a life member of the squadron. And my brother-in-law uh, was also a member. So, of course, there was no family pressure to join. And I, I joined immediately, first as an outport member, and then when I became a permanent resident as, as a full-time member. And it's been, a, it's been a wonderful experience. Lots of uh, likely candidates, or sorry, characters, I should say, around the squadron. Do you have some early memories of, um, of some of the first people that you came into contact with at the club? Yes, it, it, was, it was really interesting because um, I found that there were a number of, uh, of offshore sailors um, who um, would, would cruise locally, but would, would suddenly go off to uh, the Cape Verde Islands and, and, and bring a boat back or, or take a boat off to, to, uh, to Europe or to the Azores. And I found it very interesting that, that uh, these members that were very quiet about their, their offshore experiences, and you, you really had to, to uh, push them to, to discover what, uh, what they were doing. Uh, so I found that to be uh, a, an interesting uh, part of being a member of the squadron. And you've been a member for almost 20 years now, John. Is that, yes. is that right? Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. Uh, I don't actually remember if it was the first year that, uh, that we moved to Jador, which was 2002. It may have been that year or the following year, but it's been a long time. Yeah. And I've met some, some wonderful, interesting people. It's one of the things we had Judy Robertson on the program. And one, one of the things that she talked about was 
the amount of knowledge floating around the squadron and everyone you talk to has got, got an immense amount of uh, experience and knowledge. And certainly in the, in the world of the cruising um, uh, group within the squadron, a lot of, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience. Yeah, Scott, I think that's, that's a really interesting point. And, and um, part of that is um, I found that you, you have to sort of push people to, to uh, discover that they do have this experience. They're, they're very quiet about it. Um, but there is this huge wealth of knowledge and experience. And as Judy certainly is, is one of those um, who, who's done a lot of sailing. And as you know, she, she's run several programs to help uh, sailors, uh, both in terms of uh, safety offshore and also radio uh, technique and that sort of thing. Built uh, quite a community at the club. And, um, you know, John, as, as much as your in-laws uh, have their, their own connection to the squadron, you yourself have... Uh, have found your own role within the club? I think the first uh, summer cruise that I went on with, with Heather was uh, 2014. And um, I found that to be a great experience. Um, then in, in 2016, um, at the end of the summer cruise in Bedeck, I suggested to past Commodore George Archibald that the next summer cruise should go to PEI. George looked at me and he said, Excellent idea. You organize it. <laughs> and then I, I had just been volunteered. Uh, you'll note that's the passive voice, right? Mm -hmm. so, so that began my time as cruise chair. And I, I have to say, I've had excellent help, advice, and support from past Commodores Archibald, Roberts, and Rayfuse. And in, in 2017, we did go to, uh, to PEI. Um, we had seven squadron boats and, and two U.S. boats on the cruise. Uh, and we began with a, a leisure, leisurely sail along the eastern shore with our first official gathering uh, was hors d'oeuvres and cocktails at the Port Hawkesbury Marina. We went on to have a, a, a potluck supper uh, in Picto, uh, overnighted in, at the Charlottetown Yacht Club. And then, um, interestingly, our next port of call was Murray Harbor on the east side of, of PEI. The channel into Murray Harbor has very thin water, and I organized a, a local boat to lead us in. Only Morning Watch, our boat, went aground, though it was rumored that Elicit had touched several times. I heard rumor. <laughs> but Murray, <laughs> you've heard I that heard rumor, that too, rumor. have you? Yeah, uh, apparently, though, it, it's only a rumor, Michaela. We have to be That's careful. That's true. We're going to um, fact check it, and it turns out it wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, the, uh, Murray Harbor was a wonderful place. Um, the, the fishermen there, it's a fishing, uh, working fishing harbor, and the fishermen there moved their boats off the main wharf for our four big boats uh, to raft up. And um, they, they, they were thrilled to have us. Uh, the, the facilities, um, there, were not there was not much in the way of facilities. There was one head and one shower. And in fact, um, the manager of the, uh, the, uh, the marina there did not want to charge us anything. We actually passed the hat, and, and I think we gave them a few hundred bucks as a thank you. Um, we also organized a lobster dinner at the community center there in, in uh, Murray Harbor, and uh, it was cooked by the local hosts. We had a great time, um, and uh, we, we were made to feel very welcome. And in fact, one of our skippers remarked later that uh, Murray Harbor uh, was a place he would not have gone into but for the cruise. 
Um, so that cruise was was actually a great success. And we ended with a potluck supper in Guysboro. And then some of us on the way back to the squadron met at uh, Liscombe Lodge for, for a dinner on the way back. So last summer, we sailed to the South Shore. And uh, we, we were 12 squadron boats. And we were joined by seven uh, ocean cruising club boats, uh, the group that I'm, the other group that I'm a member of. We invited them to come and we had uh, six OCC boats from the U.S. and one from the, from the U.K. Uh, we began the cruise with a dinner at the Saraguay House. And actually, uh, the, the year before was the first time we had a dinner before the cruise. And we found that to be really a good way of, of getting people to know each other and sort of to loosen up. Uh, so, um, our, our cruise, uh, um, let's see, where am I? Um, our cruise started with, uh, with the dinner, of course. And then the next day we sailed to Rogue's Roost where we anchored and rafted up. And, um, uh, from there we sailed to the La Havre River Yacht Club. One of the things we're trying to do, uh, on the squadron cruises is support other clubs, um, uh, in both in the province and 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 close by, so um, it was great to to go to the La Havre River Yacht Club. They were very pleased to have uh, what was that to have eighteen or nineteen boats come in. The Commodore and the Vice Commodore were both out in their zodiacs. The Commodores of the La Havre River Yacht Club were both out in their zodiacs uh, to guide us into our slips and to um, uh, uh, moorings. We then went on to, to Lunenburg and we had a huge potluck supper on the wharf. And there was so much food that it covered three large picnic tables. Uh, uh, Greg Baker and, and Nancy Morrison gave out awards to a number of the boats. And I'll say more about the awards uh, tradition in a minute. And then after Lunenburg, the OCC boats uh, left us and went headed back to Maine. And the squadron boats sailed on to Oak Island, um, where Franz and Mary Koch, who, uh, who were joining the cruise by car, they had sold uh, their uh, 59-foot Hinkley Remedius. They'd sold that boat uh, a year or two earlier. They treated us to a magnificent uh, buffet dinner at their condo. We then had a dinghy drift in the town of Mahone Bay. We flew kites at uh, Backman's Island. We went on to Hubbard's Cove, where we had cocktails with Greg Baker and Nancy Morrison at their cottage. And they... They gave a fantastic, humorous uh, presentation of awards. Now, th these awards are a cruising tradition. Everybody gets a prize, an award for doing something brilliant or outrageous or both. Greg and Nancy really did a fantastic job. L let me give you uh, a taste of the awards. Dexterity 2, Mike Johnson, the Tardiness Award for Last Boat to Leave Halifax, prize was an inexpensive watch. Uh, illicit. Pepe received the neighborly award for cleaning the tender of flying cat. His prize was a duster. Magical. George Archibald received the swift anchoring award for a nifty raft up in Rogue's Roost. His prize was a bungee cord. Littlest Hobo, Luke Porter received the animal caretaker award for cruising with two dogs. His prize was a whisk and a dustpan. And cruising by car, Mary and Franz received the chef award for the beautiful meal that they served at Oak Island. Their prize was a cutting board. And after the awards ceremony at Greg and Nancy's, we walked down the road to, the, uh, to a lobster dinner at the Shore Club. 
Then the next day we sailed across uh, the bay to French Village Harbor and to a barbecue at the St. Margaret's uh, Sailing Club. And our final gathering uh, last year was a barbecue at Hubley Cove at the home of past Commodore Bill uh, and Kathy Greenwoods. So that was a great cruise. Uh, we had a good time and we had a, a good number of boats. Well, John, it sounds wonderful. And I know that everyone's very anxious to get back out on the water this season. So what do you have uh, planned as the, uh, as the cruise chair? Okay. Right. Um, we're planning this summer to go to Cape Breton uh, starting on July 25th. And we've just sent, uh, sent our list of cruisers, the cruise itinerary, with a questionnaire asking if you're planning on joining the cruise and also asking for suggestions, uh, giving these difficult times requiring social distancing and other restrictions. Um, we're, we're, now, we're just now looking at responses and assuming that many are enthusiastic, here's the plan. Uh, we leave the squadron on July 25th to sail along the eastern shore with uh, stops in Shelter Cove, Fisherman's or Country Harbor, and then on to Yankee Cove, and then into Descous on Ile Madame. And hopefully, uh, if we can, we have dinner at the uh, Groundswell Pub. Then we'll have a potluck in St. Peter's, fly kites in the Cremon Islands, um, and go again to the Orangedale, to Orangedale, to the Railway Station Museum for hors d'oeuvres. Um, and after that, a dinghy drift in Maskell's Harbor, uh, lobster on the wharf in Dingwall, a potluck in Inganish, and um, the final cocktail party in hors d'oeuvres in Bedeck. That's the plan, and we'll see what the uh, response to our questionnaire is. Sounds like a fabulous plan. Yeah, I'm sold. Where do I sign up? <laughs> yeah, where do you sign up? <laughs> Michaela has the form. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very, I'm very good at ballast, John. If you need some ballast, I'm very good at that. Good. So let me just give a sort of a quick summary of the goals of, of the summer cruise. Um, we, what we want to do is, is basically cruise, ha, have a, a cruise, which is a cruise in company for boats that might otherwise be cruising on their own. Uh, we want to encourage others to join the cruise others who have not had as much experience uh, to cruise with the security of, of cruising together and, and even having buddy boats. Um, we want to sail to, to new places. We want to support other clubs and basically have a good time on the water. And those are, I think, the, the basic goals of the, uh, the summer cruise. Well, John, it sounds like you have made uh, quite a passion out of uh, cruising over your lifetime. And so I think it's very fitting that you're now in this role with the squadron. And I think that you've mapped a great journey for folks this summer. And uh, I, I imagine we'll have uh, quite a bit of interest um, in this year's plan. So, John, how did you make the transition from, you know, nonstop transatlantic passages to kind of cruising locally? I always saw um, a, a, a sort of a transatlantic passage as, 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 as an event. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily something that, that I planned. And certainly in, in later years, um, because I had done some offshore sailing, uh, friends uh, or members of the Ocean Cruising Club would, uh, would, would 
be looking for somebody to somebody who'd had some offshore experience to to sail with them. And um, I had a very interesting uh, sail over to Ireland from actually from Fort Lauderdale in I think it was 2015. Uh, a couple who had never been offshore had uh, decided that um, in their mid 40s they would they would buy a good boat and they would they would sail to Europe. Um, so they bought an Amel 53, a, a, a good, very good French built cruising boat. And um, a friend of a friend put me in touch with them. They, they had not been offshore and they were looking for somebody to, uh, uh, to help them get across the Atlantic. And I, I spoke with them and um, the original plan was they were going to bring the boat up from Florida where they both lived to, uh, to Newport, Rhode Island and then sail across to, um, uh, to Ireland. This was the couple with the cat, so we couldn't stop in the Azores uh, or Bermuda on the way. And it turned out that it was taking them longer to, um, to get the boat uh, ready to go offshore. So they, they were concerned about not being able to, to get up to, uh, to Newport. I got a a short email at one point, which uh, this was uh, in April, saying, uh, do you think it'll be cold sailing from Florida to, to Newport, Rhode Island? And I said, yes. Um, and they said, well, how do you feel about sailing from, uh, uh, from Fort Lauderdale in Florida straight across? And I thought that was fine because I figured we could, we could get into the Gulf Stream, ride the Gulf Stream up, and then turn, uh, turn towards Europe. As it turned out, I did in fact go to uh, Fort Lauderdale and I met them there. And um, uh, it, as it turned out, the, the weather was not good in the Gulf Stream for the next uh, 10 days. So we, we did not ride the Gulf Stream up. We sailed um, uh, straight, so basically uh, northeast. But what was so interesting to me was uh, this couple were originally from um, El Salvador and they had, they had moved to the States years earlier. And uh, she was the sailor and he was a, an IT geek. Um, he knew very little about sailing. And um, she, uh, when we had our first dinner on board, we talked about uh, watch times and, and how we would uh, sort of organize the cruise. And um, she said a very interesting thing. She, she said, Francisco, um, Francisco doesn't know anything about sailing. So when you come on watch after him, you should be sure we're going in the right direction. <laughs> he was quite, he was quite cool with that. And, and, and then she said, so, so what do we do when we get to, to Ireland? And I said, well, um, when we get to Ireland, uh, you, you go ashore and you call the, um, the, the border and uh, uh, the border people and, and let them know that we're here and they come and uh, um, they, they come and check us out. And she said, well, why do I do that? And I said, because you're the captain. And she, I think she was very reluctant to actually say she was the captain. She was quite happy to say her husband couldn't sail, <laughs> but she wasn't, she wasn't happy to say that she was the captain. Anyway, we had a great, a, a great sail across. It was, it was 28 days, and uh, it was a lovely boat to sail on, and we had hot showers every morning if we wanted. I just love it how all you transatlantic travelers just speak so casually about crossing, crossing such a vast... Vast expanse of ocean. 
oh yeah no big deal we just kind of did it it was great you know no no problem i'm like i just i'm, I'm i never cease to be amazed about um about that well you know scott it, it that's an interesting one too because the the weather out there tends to be more predictable and more more settled in many ways i think than it is along the shore and on that one passage we used an outfit in new zealand uh, called predict wind to to give us weather forecasts every day and they they would every morning they would send us via satellite email a um uh, a weather prediction and they would show us four proposed tracks for the day um, and we would look at the at the track and you could click on any any one of the dots on any one of those tracks and it would show you the wind speed and the wind direction and it would show you the boat speed and the boat heading if you took that track and in 28 days they were wrong for one 12 hour period that is extraordinary i mean the fact that the weather weather forecasting is so good now that in many ways it is it is simpler than cruising along the coast because when you're cruising along the coast you've got things to bump into and out there uh it's it's pretty clear sailing i am hoping that uh, that we will be able to do it and um let's see what our response is to to uh the the email blast um um it's possible that people might might want to uh, shorten the cruise but uh, i think we'll we'll see what what responses are you know, as with everything this year, John will just be a little bit different, but it doesn't mean that we can't do it. So I'm right. certainly, I'm certainly very um, hopeful that you get a, a good positive response. Everyone gets out there and gets sailing because, um, as we keep saying with everyone on the on the show, you know, everyone's important, and certainly the the cruising fraternity at the at the club is so important for a whole range of reasons. Um, not least of which is is giving people who join the club or who are, you know, connecting with sailing for the first time or in their early early years of sailing to give them, you know, access to that level of experience and enthusiasm and, and fun and, um, you know, experience with the, with the sport in a, in a setting that's, you know, obviously quite, quite casual and relaxed. So I think that's very important. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. And um, our, our goal is to, uh, is to encourage uh, more people to, to, uh, to come cruising. Well, John, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure for Scott and I to chat with you today about your experience, your role with the club, and this year's summer cruise plan. So thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks, John. See you soon.